Good morning. Great service so far. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to let more of God's Word speak to you this morning than Scott's Word. And the reason that being, as I was studying this week, I had found my, I had lots of time to study this week, so I did finish my study in the book of Daniel, which one of these days we'll go back to that, but I want to speak more to the book of Acts this morning as we begin to enter this new year. How many of you have said, hey, I tried 2021, I want to go back, <laughs> right? 2020 was bad, well... So we start off 2021, and uh, it's been an interesting year already, but we get lost, I think, in everyday society. We get lost in our vocations. We get lost in in just all the things that go on in our lives. And I want us to just take a look at some very simple language that Peter used when he was preaching his first sermon, really. Uh, This is right after... uh, Now, at this point, point, you, you need to understand something. For those of you who maybe don't know the Bible as well as others. This is after Jesus has already been uh, buried and has been resurrected, okay? So this is, this is post-Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, okay? So now you have a situation where the disciples essentially are, are, have been told to wait. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus commanded them to not leave Jerusalem. He didn't just ask them, he said he commanded. That's one of the very few times that we see that word used, commanded them. I just wonder, what if they decided to just leave Jerusalem? Hey, we're going to go out to the bars tonight. We're going to go down to Bethlehem. (laughs) I know Jesus commanded us, but I don't think he really meant it. We're just going to go out and hip-hop around town, pick up some gals, pick up some guys, you know. In all seriousness, he, he commanded them to stay in Jerusalem and this was not an easy task. This was a very difficult period of time. Yes, they were getting ready to celebrate the Pentecost, and there were lots of folks from all over the region and, and, and miles and miles away that had come in. And matter of fact, in Acts chapter, first part of Acts chapter 2, it tells us that, that they had come from far away. And then, as you're familiar with, uh, as they began to speak, they began to understand each other in their own native tongues, which was awesome. So it doesn't matter what language they were speaking, they were able to hear it in their own. It's like being at the United Nations and having a headset, really, is the way I envision that. And that no matter what the person was saying and what language they were in, they would hear it in their own language, right? So this is, the, this is that whole passage of the tongues and speaking in tongues. Um, and I'm giving you the context there. But what's interesting to me is the simplicity of Peter's message. And it applies to us today. In fact, there's language used towards the end here that says, not only does this apply to you all, but to many generations afar. I love that. To many generations afar. Folks, we are the ones that are afar. Okay? He's speaking to us. So let me, let me read to you what Peter said. I'll start. Uh, I'm just going to start with Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Okay? So I'm going to start with verse 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So bear with me. We've got quite a bit of scripture to read here, but I want you to hear what Peter said uh, without interruption. So verse 14, Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice 
and address them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what uh, was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, prophesy, excuse me, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand and I sh- I, I'm and I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let my Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make full of gladness with your presence, or make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, verse 29, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, And his tomb is with us today, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Now listen, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation so that 
Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Amen? Twice in that sermon, he says, you yourselves have crucified Christ. That stuck out to me. You yourselves crucified Christ. I want you to search today your heart. I want you to think about what I'm about ready to say, and that is, are you on the wrong side of heaven? Are you more righteous in the eyes of hell? Where do you where do you stand? If you look at yourself and understand we're saved by grace, not by works. We're saved by what Jesus did, not by what we do, but our behavior is important. So I would ask you this morning, as I ask myself this week, do I side closer with the devil or do I side closer with Jesus? Both in my attitude, my actions, my daily walk. Do I look more like Satan or do I look more like Jesus? Now, how you look is not necessarily where you're going to go, but some of us are more righteous for hell than we are tied to heaven. We're barely getting into heaven because we're still tied to the king of this time and his lies and his schemes. How do you look? Look at yourself. Don't look at others. Look at yourself. I want you to reflect. Because when Peter said to the Holy Spirit, and God has said to you and to me, he didn't just say it to them, you are the ones who crucified Jesus. Think about your life. What this past week, the last couple of weeks, the last month, have you done for God? And then think of it this way. How many things have you done for yourself because the world we live in says you need to take care of yourself matter of fact the bible says love yourself right or you have to love yourself to love others but we've gone too far we we love ourselves so much that we don't pay attention to anybody else we're all consumed with what we feel how we think what the perception of other people is of us. Maybe not so much for some people, right? What do people see when they see you? What do, what do I see when I look at you? Likewise, what do you see when you look at me? You see, uniquely, you will never be able to see yourself through the eyes of somebody else. But God asked you to do that. God asked you to see yourself through the eyes of somebody else. Specifically, he wants you to see yourself through his eyes. And though you may think you're a good person by the definition of today's standards, and that may be very, very true, there are some evil people that do wonderful things, right? Right? There are some people that have done some things in the name of God, though they're not Christian. They don't know God. They don't know the Lord. They don't know Jesus. They may profess to. And by today's standards, they've done some very, very good things. How does God see them? Through his eyes. You see, God is looking at your heart. God's looking at what's in here, in your chest. 
but he's also concerned with your actions and how you're portraying that. And, and the Bible is, is, is rich with a, a beautiful love story from beginning to end. It's really a biography of God himself. It's not a self-help manual, though, if you can take things from it, better for you. Excellent. There's excellent advice in here to do those things, yes. But it's a love story from beginning to end, and it all meshes and flows. You know, you're talking about something that took nearly 1,800 years to write or to gather. You've got uh, 66 books or letters, if you will. You've got nearly 40-plus authors, and this has all come together not by accident but by divine intervention and God himself. So it doesn't matter if you're reading the King James Version or the New King James Version, the ESV, or whatever you may be. You've got to go back and realize the original language in the Greek and the Aramaic and the Hebrew and all that is how it started, okay? So you, it's kind of silly to be concerned with the English version today. But I want you to think about that for a minute as we think about Jesus because Peter makes it very, very simple. I know there was a lot in here because he quoted uh, uh, David and he quoted Joel and those things. But let me point out a couple of things here. Uh, I, I, I like what David said. Maybe you didn't pick it up. David himself said this. Listen to this. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. This is King David before Jesus' birth, right? And Jesus came from the lineage of King David. But David, in all his sinfulness, and he was able to actually see himself from the perspective of God. This is why David was such a powerful person in the Christian religion, the Christian tradition, because not only was he a murderer and an adulterer and, and all these things, but he loved God. And God saw him through God's eyes, and David recognized eventually through trial and tribulation that God really loved him. And, and David had a, a vision, and he said, The Lord said to my Lord, There's a picture of the Holy Trinity. God speaking to Jesus. The Lord said to my Lord, listen, sit at my right hand. This is God the Father saying to Jesus, sit at my right hand. Then we go on. It says in verse 36, Let the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ. What is Lord? Lord. Lord is ruler. All power. All control. Your leader. Your Lord. He's, made, he's not only the Christ, but he's your Lord. We'll get to Christ in a minute. But he's, here's your Lord. He directs your paths. You surrender to him. You recognize him as your king. Get to that in a minute. So he's not only your Lord, but he's been made Christ. See, Christ is a name we have associated, but it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a label. You know what I mean? Christ means it means the anointed one. The Messiah, the chosen one. So it's a title, the Messiah, the chosen one. So he's not only your, you don't recognize him as Lord, the leader of your life, and the ruler, the sovereign Lord, 
but he's also the Messiah. This Jesus. You know why it says this Jesus? Because there were other people named Jesus. Sorry to burst your bubble, but there were other people named Jesus. There were other people named John and Matthew and Mark and Luke, okay? That's why they always gave their, you know, James, son of Zebedee, as an example, right? He says, this Jesus, this Jesus, whom you crucified, he says twice in this sermon, whom you crucified with your lawless men and your lawless ways, this Jesus is not only Lord, but he is Christ. What does Christ mean? In the context of the Bible, over and over and over again, as we talk about the anointed one, you know who was anointed in the Bible? Kings. King Saul was anointed. King David was anointed. They were anointed. So the idea of anointing is always kingship. And there we forget sometimes. God, Jesus is king. This is his kingdom. Being kingdom-minded, really. Jesus is our king. Do you remember when David was down and had the opportunity to go into the camp of King Saul and could have taken King Saul's life? Very easily. Saul was sleeping. And he said, not by my hand, but this is the appointed one of God. See, he recognized that this appointing of, the chosenness of this, the sovereignty of God is beyond our capability to take away. King David recognizes what it means to be anointed but more so, Jesus is the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah. So not only is our Lord, but he is Christ. So just right after he gets done saying this, that you've crucified him, your lawless ways, your lawless people have crucified him. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now listen to this, verse 37. This is our response. Now when they heard this, that's the whole crowd, okay? Hearing it in their own language. The whole crowd understanding the Old Testament, which is why I mentioned the love story. And if you begin to study the Bible, you begin to see how it all flows together. It's just a beautiful uh, orchestrated piece of music. And I don't know anything about music, but... It's, 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 it's beautiful how it all ties together. There's, not, there's too many coincidences to say, well, that just happened to work out just right, didn't it? No, no, it's all God's word. And so the people listening have an understanding of the old ways. They have an understanding of, at least most of them, have an understanding of who Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and old, they know all those stories. And they know the story of Noah and Jonah. And they know the, the uh, you know, the prophets, they, they know all this stuff. They didn't have the conveniences that we have today of iPads and iPhones and all the technology. They actually memorized this stuff. This was their, lack, lack of a better word, entertainment. They knew these things. They passed these stories from person to person, from generation to generation. So they looked and they said, whoa, what do we do? This Jesus? Is Lord and Christ? And it's a simple message. I know I've made it more complicated because I've had ad-libbed some things in here, added some commentary. But the sermon is, hey, this guy is Lord and Savior. This guy is your King and your Christ. This guy is the one you crucified. This Jesus is God. David talked about him. Joel talked about him. Isaiah talked about him. 
and on and on and on. And their lights went on. The light bulb in their brains went on. Now when they heard us, they were cut to the heart. Something was said. See, a pastor can put together a very entertaining sermon at times, right? There are times when I walk away and I think, well, that was a pretty good sermon. The other times I walk away and I had it wasn't so good. It's usually the ones where you don't feel like they're so good. People go, that was really good. Listen, it's not of the pastor if it's, if it's being done correctly. It's of, of God. I say that because in this, as we read it, and you should, before you read Scripture, pray. God, open my heart, open my eyes to your word, no matter what translation you're, you're, you're reading. But meditate just for a few moments before you open the word and say, God, show me what it is you have to speak to my heart today. I purposely will use a, a Bible without any footnotes the first time I read through things and while I'm preaching. Then I'll go back and maybe do the history. But I want to see what the Holy Spirit has to speak to me. Well, in this, in this situation here, Paul wasn't fancy. He just said, here's what Joel said. Here's what King David said. Here's the history. He says, you can be certain that this Jesus is Lord and Christ. And he said they were cut to the heart wasn't by anything Peter said. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit, folks. By the power of God's Word. And I tell you this today, get ready to close up. Don't worry about trying to be so fancy with people. What do I say? <laughs> okay, uh, Jesus Christ is God. And if you take a hard look at yourself, you need salvation. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Right? The Bible tells us that. But it's very simple. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and you need to look at yourself. You need to look at yourself and say, where have I fallen short? Where you have fallen short at even one of the Ten Commandments, you've fallen short in all of them. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? You ever disrespected your parents? You ever murdered anybody? No. No. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever talked bad about somebody behind their back? Because that's the same as murder. You're destroying that person's character. Well, really? Well, have you ever had an affair? No. Well, have you ever looked at a man or woman with lust and thought, looking good, you just sinned? That's not of God. God doesn't walk around in heaven going, Holy Spirit looking good today. First of all, Holy Spirit's a man. Okay. Won't go there. But you know what I'm saying? It just it's not part of who God is. God is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. And it reminds us and it tells us, and I'll leave you with this. It says that uh, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, for all of us, for the promise, this promise, okay, is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Speaking directly to you and to me, okay? Speaking to you and to me. This promise is for you as well. Okay? Hasn't changed a bit. Yep. Nothing has been in the Bible, nothing, nothing has been found historically dug up in Egypt or over in the Middle East that says, well, the Bible is a figment of somebody's imagination. That hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. With all the technology that we have and all the resources we have over there right now looking through all the archaeological things 
and, and you can use that as an argument all day long, and I, ha- and I have, but it really comes down to this. Uh, no matter how much proof we offer, you need to ask yourself, do I believe that that Jesus that died at that time is Lord and Christ? And if you do, turn to him and repent. Well, for what? Just for being human. You're born this way. We inherited Adam's sin, the original sin. Turn from it. And the very fact that people question, I don't have any sin, is a sin. It's arrogance. It's pride. It's getting in the way. I I struggled with that for many, many years. I'm a good guy. I'm a great guy. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't do any of these things back in the day. And I'm, you know, just because I don't listen to Christian music doesn't make me, you know, a, a heathen. You're right. You were born a heathen. <laughs> You're right. You didn't do anything to be a heathen. You're just acting like a heathen. You don't even realize it, right? I ask you today to reflect on yourself, the sin in your life, and thank God for it and ask Him for forgiveness. Even if you're born again, even if you've given your life to Christ many years ago, ask Him today to forgive you of your sin. And say, thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you this week that I haven't acknowledged all the blessings that you provided in my life. But I acknowledge I'm a rough person around the edges. And I give glory and praise to you for forgiving me. And as we sit here now, we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ a second time to take us up into heaven. For he says the way that he went up into heaven is the way he will appear to us when he comes back. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this wonderful sermon that uh, you gave Peter. Lord, I pray that it cut to our hearts as well today, Lord God. And we might take a moment, maybe this week, to read through the sermon or read through the uh yeah read through peter's sermon ourselves this week lord god lord thank you for uh providing me with some insight today and lord i just ask for your blessing to be upon those here today and then uh, also on the continuation of our worship services it's in jesus name i pray and the congregation says